five, Faith, Love, and Mercy. I believe the subtitle is going to be Compelled by Love. This one may be, this portion might be longer than just one, one hour, but uh, we'll just start with it. So we're going to recap a little bit. Uh, we've been learning in, in the past, uh, in the past four sessions, uh, or I'm just going to recap the last one. Last uh, session was basically Do Not Test the Lord Your God. And um, anyway, we talked about confidence and endurance and promise. These are the, this is a three-step. This is how faith works. In order to, uh, to receive the promise, we must have confidence, which means we have heard a word from God. So we have a confidence in that word. Then we must endure, which means there's going to be trial. It's a given. And in fact, if you're going through a trial, bless you. If you're going through a trial, then you know that's just part of the process. Oftentimes, people, they meet resistance, and they think, well, well it's time to throw in the towel. And no, that's just when you need to endure. So you have need of endurance, the scripture says. And then when you've endured, then you'll receive the promise. So that's your four, that's your three-step process. All right, we're going to erase that. Um, <clears throat> we also learned about testing the Lord. Um, do not test the Lord. We're talking about Luke chapter 4, I believe. Um, and um, and we, we did a little digging. And we found out, he says, uh, he's talking about, do not test the Lord your God as you did at Manasseh. And I believe we're talking about Deuteronomy chapter 6. If I'm misquoting this, we have the previous hour so we get this right. So you just go back and check it out. But And I think the other um, portion was Exodus chapter 17, or it could be Exodus chapter 7. I can't remember off the top of my head. But anyway, it's about <laughs> testing the Lord. So Deuteronomy 6 says, do not test the Lord you did like, as, in, as you did at Massa. And in Exodus, it talks about the story of Massa, how they um, argued with God, they grumbled. Is it Exodus chapter 17? Yes, sir. All right, good. Um, verse 7. That's why I'm mixing that up because it was 17.7. 7. So anyway, in Exodus 17.7, 7, this is whenever they were grumbling against God and it says that they quarreled against Moses and it says, why do you test the Lord? So we know that testing the Lord has to do with quarreling with the man of God uh, or quarreling with the one that God is with because after that it says, it says they tested the Lord that day because they questioned whether the Lord <laughs> was among them. So is the Lord among you? This is the question. When you test God, what you're saying is you hear God, you know that it's a word from God, you've got a plan from God, you're obeying God, and then you start questioning, man, is God even in this? And that's testing the Lord. Okay, so whenever Jesus was being tempted by the devil, he wasn't saying, you know, don't test the Lord so you can, you know, test him in his word and whether his word is good. You know, God says, uh, says this in Malachi, he says, test me in this. Bring in the full tithe and see that I will not open up the, the storehouses of heaven and pour them out to you, right? So we know that the scripture tells us that we should test, okay? So what is Jesus talking about here? Don't test the Lord. He's talking about questioning whether God is among you. He's, he's talking about quarreling with the one, with, with the man of God, you know what I'm saying? Um, or coming against spiritual authorities. That's testing the Lord. Breaking his word. That's testing the Lord. Coming against, uh, tr trying to, watch this, trying to derail the man of God is also testing the Lord. You know, if someone's doing what God's telling them to do and you come against them and you start to question it, you're testing the Lord. Does that make sense? So that's what we found testing the Lord to be. Not so much, um, you know, jumping off a building. You know, people oftentimes think that jumping off the building was testing the Lord. But then what's the difference between Jesus jumping off the building and him walking on water? It's still bo both of them are defying the laws of gravity, you know. So we're, it, signs and wonders is not what Jesus is talking about. And I believe that one of our biggest faith killers for signs and wonders 
is, the, is people misunderstanding the temptation of Jesus when he says, do not test the Lord your God. Because Jesus did many things that defied the laws of physics, that defied the laws of nature, you know. And so that's where um, people, anyway, my point is signs and wonders, I believe, have been killed because people's faith has been killed because they have a twisted word, have a twisted understanding um, whenever, whenever they read in the scripture. Okay, make sense? Cool. Let me erase that. Um, also, we know that faith comes by hearing. If you don't have a word from God, you can't have faith. Okay? We also talked about how um, the reason why the temptation of Jesus was that testing of the Lord is because Jesus was Emmanuel and Jesus was among us. So in Exodus chapter 17, it says they tested the Lord because they said, um, is the Lord among us? So whenever he, when Jesus is being tempted by the devil, and he's like, hey, are you the son? if you're the Son of God, say that these stones turn into bread, he's testing the Lord the whole time. You see? Is, is God among you? Is God in this? Uh, and it, it, the main thing is you know you're testing God when you, when you know God's in it, but you're questioning whether God's in it. Make sense? Same for like healing. You know, I, so you can test the Lord in healing. You can test the Lord in the wrong way when it comes to healing. When you know that it's God's will to heal, but you're afraid to pray for somebody because you don't know if God will answer your prayer. That's testing the Lord. Not praying for healing when you know it's God's will to heal is testing the Lord. <laughs> Whenever you, anytime you question if the Lord is in it and you know He is in it, that's testing the Lord. Make sense? All right. Is when you know He is in it, when you know that God is a part of it. Testing is when you question His integrity. Will uh, he follow through? Basically wondering if God will follow through. That's testing the Lord. Make sense? Our faith is confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. That's Hebrews chapter 11, <coughs> verse 1 in the New Living Translation. I love that translation. Faith is confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. That's really powerful stuff. So um, we also learned that in Luke chapter 18, verse 7, not to lose heart. He says he told them a parable so they would not lose heart. He talks about the widow or the woman or whoever it was that was pounding on the door or, the, or d demanding justice from the judge. And he says, will he delay over those who, who pray to him day and night? No. So we know that. The implied answer was no. Will he delay? No. The answer is no. Right? Um, but he will bring justice speedily. Uh, will he f but then the question, so he says, but nevertheless, will the Son of Man find faith on the earth when he returns? So the question isn't whether or not, you know, God is going to answer us quickly. It's whether or not he's going to have faith on the earth. The, the problem is not in heaven. The problem is on earth. We talked about how in heaven there's five bars, but how's your reception here? The faith, there has to be faith right here on earth. God's already not delaying. He's already answering us speedily. But the question is, is our connection wrong? Is our, are we disconnected? Does that make sense? Have we been disconnected from heaven? Are we disconnecting ourselves from heaven? Uh, love of the world does that. When you put love of the world in, it starts to disconnect you. You know, and you're not able to have a clear communication. Does that make sense, what I'm trying to say? And I'm not talking about how, like, uh, those things don't hinder. Listen, faith is a good connection. Faith is the good connection. Now, a lot of times people think sin will hinder their prayers. Sin doesn't hinder your prayers. Sin hinders your faith. Faith hinders your prayers. Faith always hinders your prayers. Okay? People think unforgiveness hinders your prayers. No, no. Unforgiveness hinders your faith. Faith hinders your prayers. What is faith? Why does it hinder faith? Because faith is hinged on love. And the Bible says, mm, so good. The greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So whenever your love is being violated, 
When you're not loving properly, love hinders faith. Why? Because perfect, watch this, perfect love drives out all fear. What is fear? Fear is your doubt. <laughs> perfect love drives out doubt. You understand? Faith is how we get it. Doubt is how we disconnect it. Doubt is disconnect. Faith is connection to the heavens. You see what I'm saying? Doubt is you're disconnecting. So how do we get rid of doubt? Perfect love. It's good. It's a good word. <laughs> Perfect love drives out all fear. All right, so that's what we're coming to, compelled by love. The entire thing is hinged on love. This is why the, the, the cross, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that anyone who believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So our own forgiveness, uh, the sacrifice of Christ, is hinged on love. Our faith is hinged on the love of God. That makes sense? And about the Bible says here in, in John chapter 15, we were reading in that last time, John chapter 15, uh, verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified. So we learned that God answers our prayers. That's how God gets glorified. That you bear much fruit and so prove to me to be my disciples. In verse 9 says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Okay, so we're talking about how everything is hinged on this love. Everything is hinged on the love of God for us, and also everything is hinged on the, our love for God. Okay, Abide in the love, dwelling in the love of God, resting in the love of God. My faith is not in my own ability. My faith is in the fact that God loves me. Why is God going to answer my prayer? Because He loves me. You see what I'm saying? So when I start to question that love, that's whenever I start questioning, that's when I have start having doubt. But perfect love drives out all fear or doubt. All my doubt can be removed if I understood just how much God loves me. The reason why I know God's going to answer my prayers is because I know that He loves me. Okay? When I start questioning His love for me is whenever I start having doubt. But perfect love drives out all fear, which is doubt. Perfect love drives out all doubt. Does that make sense? I mean, think about that. That woman, when she was, she was pounding on the door trying to get justice, right? She, her faith was in the fact that that judge was going to bring justice. You see what I'm saying? And he's saying, how much more? The, the God is not like that judge. You know? God is not, let's go over there. What is it? Um, I think Luke chapter 18. So what we're talking about right now, we're talking about love. We're, we're talking about where our faith is hinging on. Our faith is hinging on the love of God and we when we don't exemplify that love of God that means that we're not having a revelation of that love the Bible says he who's been forgiven much loves much so it's in revelation is our personal revelation we have personal revelation of how much God's forgiven us that we will learn to love does that make sense so this is why the Bible says that may grace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Christ. As I discover who Christ is, my grace is, in, is, is multiplied. The reason why my grace is multiplied, because as I understand the love of the Father, the more my faith is built. Make sense? Our faith is built on the love of God. I'm going to repeat myself a lot, it seems like, but I think I'm supposed to. So, um, <laughs> Luke chapter 18, verse 7 says so right here, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Right? So let's come up here. Give, uh, so we see the widow is pounding. I'm just making sure I have my story right. It is a widow and it is a judge. The widow is, 
So there's also another um, there's another place that talks about um, a man coming to the door at your in the middle of the night, and you know he's like, no, I'm with, I'm in bed with my children, you know, and so I was I didn't want to mix up my stories, so that's why I'm uh, going back on that. Makes sense? Cool. All right, Luke chapter 18. We won't read that whole thing again. We so we already went to you guys. First John chapter 4 verse 18. I'm going to erase all this now. Abiding in the love of God, walking in His love. Um, well, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as my Father, as, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I've spoken to you, that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another. Okay, so what is, if you keep my commandments, you abide in my love. Okay, so we're, talking, we're still in John chapter 15, now we're in verse 10. Check this out. A lot of people are like, well, how do I abide in, my, in His love? Oh, keep His commandments. Well, I thought it wasn't work-based faith. No, it's love-based faith, and it's faith-based works. Not works-based faith, it's not backwards. Let me write this down. It's not, it is not works-based faith. It is love, and on top of love, you have faith, and built on faith, you have works. Okay? Love is the beginning. Perfect love drives out all fear and, and doubt. Then your faith. And because of your faith, then you go to works. Ephesians chapter 2 says that um, for by grace you've been saved through faith. Not your own works, and no one should boast, but, but it's the gift of God. And then it says, so that we can do the works he prepared for us before the foundations of the earth. So before, the, before everything began, God had work for you to do. But you couldn't do that work because you didn't have faith. You couldn't have faith because you didn't know God loved you. You didn't know God loved you because we sinned and we were driven away from his presence. But now we've been restored to his presence in Jesus. Amen. So now our faith can be restored. This is good. You really can't have faith without the love of God. You really can't have faith unless you understood God loved you. You really couldn't have faith unless you realized that He was doing enough for you so He could get you back, so He could redeem us. We're talking about redemption here. <coughs> the redemption is what we're having faith in. We believe that God has restored us. This is the foundation of our faith. Before we can start believing for impossible things and believing God can heal other people, we have to know that God's willing to heal us. You can't give something away you don't have. We've said that many times here. When you, the Bible says, freely ever you've received, freely you should give. What have you received? All redemption, all restoration, all healing, all salvation. It now belongs to you. And so now then you go give it to others. Make sense? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. See, God didn't create us just for ourselves. He didn't send us... You know, we, we hear this saying uh, quite a bit, and I believe it's true. If you were the only person on the earth, God would have sent his son just to die for you. I believe that. Okay? If you're the only person on earth, God would have sent his son just to die for you. What are these works for? Are they for just you? The good works. Good works means it is for other people. It's others-minded. Not self-seeking. The Bible says love is not self-seeking. So the only way we can practice love is with other people. You can't, you can't be someone who loves someone and be all by yourself. The absence of evil doesn't mean that... The absence of bad behavior doesn't mean that you love. Let me say that again. The absence of bad behavior doesn't prove that you love anyone. It's the presence of kind acts, or what we call charity. The presence of charity is evidence of love. You can't, have, you can't really practice love without having someone else to love. So it, while that saying's nice, if you were the only person here, God would have died for you. 
The reason why that's a beautiful statement is because God is dying for you. His love is being shown towards you. You see? But God didn't create us to live for ourselves. He created us to live for Him and for others. To love others. To give to others. So that's why it says, in, uh, and so it says right here, this is my commandment, verse 12. John chapter 15, verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. So we see that this whole line right here, right? If you bind in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish will be done for you. Answered prayer, same passage. John, John chapter 15, verse 7 through 14 is what we're reading. Okay? 7 through 14. Answered prayer, abiding in the love of God, keeping his commandments, all that is lined up together. Okay? Bearing fruit. What's the fruit? Number one, you get answered prayers, but how do you get your answered prayers? You abide in his love. You keep his commandments. What is his commandment? You love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than they lay down his life for his friends. So we see that love is like this, this thing that carries everything. Make sense? All right, now we're going to go to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. For Christ's love compels us. I'm, I'm reading out of the NIV version. I really like the wording of it better. Now you are the body of Christ. It says, uh, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. We're going to go over here to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27-31. So now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? So the answer is no. Not everybody does that. Verse 31, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. So we see that God is calling us to deeper things. We've already preached on that. I'm not going to get deeper into that. I've preached on that for about four or five hours on faith, trumps, giftings. But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And then right after that it says, and I will show you a more excellent way. And then, uh, so we, uh, we don't want to forget the whole point of the gifts, what the whole points of the gifts and operating in faith is. The whole point of the gifts, think about this, helps administrating, you know, teaching, miracles, healings, miracles. You see what I'm saying? All these things, what are they for? All of the, all the supernatural giftings, well, their purpose is, is to display the love of God. It isn't just for flashbang, here's a nice, you know, performance or whatever. That's not what it's for. The point of the miracles is not to show off. The point of the miracles is not so God can even show off. The glory of God wasn't in the signs and wonders. The glory of God was in the fact that people were redeemed. The glory of God wasn't in all the wonders. The glory of God was in His love. It's His goodness. Okay? His goodness towards us. The glory of God is wrapped up in Jesus Christ and the fact that that he loved us and died for us. The fact, uh, whenever he says, he talks about Egypt and how Moses went in there and says, I, I, I will display all of my wonders. But why? 
So he could save his people. So he could deliver them out of, so he could bring them out of the promised land. I mean, bring them out of Egypt, their bondage, their slavery, and deliver them into the promised land. That's the glory of God. The glory of God is displayed in his demonstration of deliverance. Make sense? His demonstration of setting the captive free. Not so much in just doing a, a shock and awe, you know, firework show. Does that make sense? If I speak in tongues, so uh, we're going to continue over here uh, at the beginning of that, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. If I speak in tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clinging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. <clears throat> if I give away all I have and if I deliver my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, kind. <clears throat> love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, or love never ends. This is the reason for, uh, for my response to people when, when they say, I cannot share the gospel. Evangelism is not my gift, right? They'll say, I can't share the gospel. Evangelism is not my gift. And I'll just tell them, uh, it's not a matter of gifting, it's a matter of love. Do you love people? So it's so funny because so many people that, that are against the gifts, they'll say, well, you know, it's really about love. And people will even say, well, love's the greatest gift. Love's not, love, love is a fruit. For the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now when I give, when I show my love, I'll bring you gifts because of my love. Does that make sense? But love itself it's not a, a supernatural gift. Does it make sense? Um, I will say that agape love is supernatural. And for, in order for you to operate in, in, in that supernatural love, you have to receive the love of God for yourself. But then you give that love from God. Does that make sense? So maybe it is like a gift. But it's not, it's not listed as one of these spiritual gifts. Does that make sense? It's actually listed as a fruit. It's a byproduct um, of, of you being rooted in Christ. Make sense? <laughs> <laughs> display the love of God all right so uh, anyway the the point is it's a matter of love all right and the scripture is not it's so funny because people will talk about um about giftings as okay you can have one but you cannot have another what about love if love is a gift or do do not all love but we would beg to differ and say, no, if you're in Christ, you must love. In fact, if you don't love, you're not in Christ. That's what 1 John says. If I say I love God, but I do not love my brother, the truth is God is not in me. So love comes from truth. Love comes from the fact that I've received the truth inside of me. Does that make sense? It's a byproduct of me being a saved person. If I am saved, if I am a born-again Christian, if I'm in Christ, then I will love. You know? And if I have a trouble loving, then I might have a disconnection with God. Makes sense? For he's been forgiven much, loves much. It's very interesting. Love comes through forgiveness. It takes faith to receive the forgiveness of God. You could never even get faith without the love of God being displayed for you. <coughs> Makes sense? You can't even have faith without the love of God being displayed for you because you wouldn't have anything to have faith in. Makes sense? But it's forgiveness that's the gift. Mm. Forgiveness is the gift brought to you by love. 
Okay? When you have faith in that forgiveness and you receive forgiveness, now you are able to love. Make sense? There's a different process of being able to love. First of all, you have to receive forgiveness. If you don't know how much you've been forgiven, it's hard for you to love. All right, make sense? So it is slightly different. I, I got off a little bit. I was trying to clarify some, some stuff. But the point is, if we're not sharing the gospel, if we're not taking risk, if we're not out there trying to, to, to set the captives free, then we're not practicing an aspect of love. Does that make sense? There's many ways to love. You know, you hear about the five love languages. Time, touch, uh, uh, get acts of service, um, gifts, and words of affirmation, right? So those are five different ways that we know in a natural way for us to communicate love. Make sense? Um, the question is, I mean, can we do all of them? Do all of them come naturally to us? Do all, do, are some easier for us to do than others? I would say yes, some of them are a little easier for us to do than others. But all five display love. Does that make sense? And we do all five if we're going to truly love somebody. Make sense? But <clears throat> if, in fact, I, I would beg to differ that in the five love languages, that each person needs some of each. Everybody needs to be touched. Everyone needs to have quality time with someone. Everyone needs words of affirmation. Every, it makes sense? Everyone needs those things. Everyone needs to serve them. Um, you need all five love languages. You might need one more than the other, but you need all five to really feel like someone loves you. Makes sense? Well, I believe that the spiritual gifts are the same way. You know, that they're just another way to display God's love. Make sense? And so, you're right. So if we're, it's not just about one way of displaying love. It's about multiple ways of displaying love. I remember when the first time I ever got into like spiritual gifts and believing God um, for these things, someone came to me and said, you know, Zach, uh, it's just another way for us to, to communicate the love of God. Because I used to be really resistant against like tongues and really resistant against healing. And, um, you know, it wasn't because I didn't, it wasn't because it wasn't in the Bible. It's because I didn't understand it and I'd never experienced it. And so I had, I had a problem believing God for it, you know. <clears throat> so whenever the guy told me, well, it's just a one, another way where we can share the gospel. Man, that blew my top off. I was like, man, okay, I can, I can believe God for these things if, if it's just another way for me to share the gospel. Because I was already willing to share the gospel, you know. Makes sense? All right, the gifting served no purpose without love. We've gotten that point across. When Jesus healed people and performed signs and wonders, it was always because he was moved with compassion. And um, compassion was the foundation for his faith. And faith ushered in grace, and grace carried in the miracle. So, for instance, uh, Matthew uh, chapter 9, verse 35. Let's go over there. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease <laughs> and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, watch this, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers in his harvest. I find it interesting. He didn't pray, hey, y'all need to pray that God will move in healing. He didn't say that. That's a given. What was not a given is the laborers. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers in his, in, uh, to his harvest. So we see here, number one, he was healing every disease. Okay? 
He was moved with compassion, but the problem he saw was the lack of workers. He was healing every disease, he was moved with compassion, and the problem he really saw was the lack of workers. The problem isn't whether or not God is going to heal. The problem isn't whether or not God loves us and has compassion on us. The problem is, where are the workers? Where are the laborers to go into the harvest? The harvest is plentiful. Plentiful, that means there's a lot of people that need some help. There's a lot of people that are ripe for the picking. There's a lot of people that are ready to receive, but there's lack of workers. I don't think that God's going to get too picky. I mean, have you ever been working for a business before where they were shorthanded and they started hiring people that weren't really adequate just because they needed hands? <laughs> yeah, I was one of them. <laughs> I mean, for real, I remember working over at uh, CC's Pizza and I would hire people uh, almost out of desperation because we were so shorthanded. I mean, I tried not to because you had horrible workers at that point. But the laborers were few and I needed workers so I just decided to hire them and train them Oop, do the best I could with them you know what I mean the harvest is plentiful there's lots of work to be done God's not gonna be picky now promotion comes through being faithful okay so God I'm gonna say this God's not picky when it comes to the workers but promotion comes with faithfulness when we talk about the workers we're not talking about preachers we're not talking about um we're not talking about apostles. We're not talking about prophets. We're not talking about teachers. We're not talking about evangelists. We're talking about workers. Those guys are all the people that are coaching and equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. When we're talking about the lack of workers, we're talking about saints. Ephesians chapter 4. Let's go over there. I'm going to have to look it up because I don't think that's in my notes. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So who does the work? The saints. Everybody thinks that the preacher is supposed to be doing all the work. Well, the preacher just equips you so you can go do the work. If you're a saint, which is someone who's saved, equip the saints. This is the vast majority of the church, the vast majority of the body of Christ, making up 90% of the body. You know what happens? When only 10% of your body is working, you have a quadriplegic paralysis person who can only paint stuff with his tongue. And while there's many people that have overcome being a quadriplegic and they've been able to do many miraculous things with their life, you know, despite all their odds, they're just, the truth is, they're not as effective as a person who's fully functional. So when we have, when we have 90% of the body paralyzed, we can't get nothing done. The work of, of the church is not supposed to be all up to the pastor and the evangelist, the prophet, the teacher, the apostle. 90% of the work is supposed to be done by the rest of the body. Lack of workers, saints, those are the ones that God's sending out. Make sense? Going out into our work, going out into the grocery store, going to your neighbor. Make sense? I, I'm going to, uh, you know, there's a lot of times people talk about the fivefold ministry. But I'm convinced that it's not a five-fold ministry, that it's a six-fold ministry. And the first five just equip the sixth. The sixth-fold ministry. The rest of us are workers. Again, we, again, we're talking about compassion here. Matthew chapter 14, verse 14. It says, And he went ashore, and he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, and healed their sick. So why did Jesus heal? Because he had compassion. <laughs> 
When we say God didn't heal somebody, what we're saying is God didn't have compassion. That's a problem. <laughs> he had compassion, so he healed. So we know the reason why God heals is because he has compassion. When we, so when we are praying and believe in God, or we're, when we're praying and we're, we think we're believing God, and they don't get healed, someone doesn't believe that God is compassionate. It's a matter of compassion. It's a matter of God's character. It's never on God's end. We've already talked about that last time. You know, the five bars in heaven. The reason why we're having one bar is because we lack compassion ourselves, number one. And we also lack faith in the, in the compassion of God to heal right now. You see what I'm saying? We don't believe God's going to do it right now. We, we, that's, that's the truth. We're, we're, well, what if it doesn't happen? You're, what do you mean, what if it doesn't happen? Of course it's going to happen. What you're saying that God's compassion gets turned on and off. Well, I don't know. This might, God might not heal him right now. Are you telling me right now sometimes God's compassionate and sometimes he's not compassionate? <laughs> it's not a matter of whether God will heal. It's a matter of whether God is compassionate. And if God's compassionate, that means he heals every time. Because God is always compassionate. How can... The scripture says, for God is love. God is love. It doesn't say he's sometimes love. Is love. It's part of his identity. Compassion is part of the identity of Christ. It's part of the identity of God. Make sense? It's so good. Why would he die for you if he didn't have compassion for you? Like, that's a very high price. It's like going down uh, and paying... Um, <coughs> Someone a lot of money to, I don't know. Have you ever gone to the restaurant before and, and you're, you're paying, a meal, paying for a meal where a waiter will come down and, and fill your drink every time it gets empty? And man, every time you look up, your, your glass is empty. And, and the waiter, isn't it coming around and filling up your glass, right? And in your head, you're thinking, man, I'm not even getting my money's worth. Have you ever felt that way before where you paid for something and it didn't meet the standard you expected? That's what's happening with the blood of Christ. When Jesus died for us, he paid the highest price. He wants to get his worth. He wants to get his money's worth out of it. And when we're not believing for it, then we're jipping God of a miracle. <laughs> we're jipping God of something he paid for. Does that make sense? Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. I grew up in a church that sang that song, you know. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Right? But then they don't sing the rest of the chapter, which is, who forgives all of my sin and heals all of my diseases. When Jesus died for us, he didn't just pay for our sin. He paid for our sickness. The compassion of God. It's good stuff. Mark chapter 6, verse 34, also, when he fed the 5,000, it says they had compassion on them. Matthew chapter 15, feeding the 4,000, it says, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling to, and said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. Moved with pity. God heals because he has pity. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. This is like the trump card right there. Anybody wondering if God heals and if it's his will to heal? Uh, if, you, if you will, you can make me clean. Move with pity. He stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will. Is it God's will to heal? Absolutely. 
And we're on from there. Matthew chapter 12, verse 9. Matthew chapter 12, verse 9. I'm actually going to open up in my scripture because I think I'm missing something in this story that I don't have on my notes. Matthew chapter 9, no, 12. Oh, I think it's also Matthew, Mark chapter 3. He went on from there and entered their synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand, and he asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him? He said to them, which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Straight up an illustration of showing mercy. Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? <laughs> Why does God heal us? Because He values us. Again, our faith is built on the love of God. Our faith is built on the fact that we know He loves us and that we know He values us. So good. So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then He said to the man, stretch out your hand. The man stretched out his hand and he was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against Him how to destroy Him. Religious people don't like healing. <laughs> Sorry. That was a stab. <laughs> I love Mark chapter 3's version. And again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand, and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath. Jesus was so well known for his healing ministry that the, his enemies expected him to heal. That people who didn't believe in him believed that he would heal. Every time. <laughs> Every time. Every time. Every time. <laughs> I love it, dude. Even the doubters believed that he would heal. It's so weird. And us that do believe, we question. We who do believe in healing, we want to see God heal. We question. But these doubters, these people that hated Jesus, it wasn't just a doubting. They hated Jesus. You know? But they didn't believe he was the Messiah. They didn't believe in his work. They didn't believe in his ministry. But they were so convinced that he was going to heal somebody today, on that Sabbath day, they were getting ready to accuse him. That's so funny. So bizarre. That's how you know they were wrapped up in deception. I know, that's what's so crazy. I think that's why some of the Pharisees couldn't help but believe. But it's fear of man. The Bible says that you, um, you, you um, don't believe because you seek the glory that comes from men. These people feared men instead of fearing God. And he said to the man, I love this, he said to the man with withered hand, you know what, you don't want to, you, do you want to know how Jesus and how the Father feels? What is the emotional response God has towards people that don't believe in that you'll heal that He'll heal you? I mean, think about this. People say this. Well, it's not the right time, right? They said that. Well, we're in a different dispensation. People say that. This is not the season. People doesn't, God doesn't heal anymore. Well, they were they had the same problem back then. They didn't think God should heal on Sabbath. <laughs> this is not the time for healing, Jesus. Jesus. Went right past that. <laughs> he said to the man with a withered hand, Come here. He said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? To save life or to kill? 
but they were silent, and he looked around at them with anger. Jesus was furious, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to them, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with Herodians against him how to destroy him. Praise the Lord. So the takeaways, we're going to close here. I've got more to, t to, to, to share on, but I want to, I want to kind of keep the time. Um, so basically, we know that it's God's will to heal because of His compassion, and our faith is built on that compassion. And when we understand God's love, it drives out all of our doubt. So that's pretty much the recap of that. Um, Praise the Lord. Hey, thank you for watching and listening to this channel. Be sure to hit the like button and share it to your friends. And subscribe to our channel for more content every single week. And if you haven't yet, go visit our website at bombszs.com. We have a lot of content there and a lot of things wow. for you that are absolutely free. So be sure to utilize us as much as possible. We hope that you were blessed by this message. Till next time, have a blessed day.